That's not normal. No. <laughs> I know. Are you I saying fans not normal? No. <laughs> I discovered I was not normal. <laughs> The topic of today's podcast is digging deeper into project-based learning. Tech Talk for Teachers. You want to practice? Tech, tech Talk for Teachers. The podcast where teachers discuss how technology can positively transform teaching and learning. I'm Rena Clark. I'm Paul Beckerman. And I'm Pam Beckerman. We are digital learning specialists. And we're here to share actionable teaching strategies for remote, face-to-face, and blended learning. Education Education is our passport to to the future. future. Our quote today comes from Albert Einstein. I never teach my pupils. I only attempt to provide the conditions in which they can learn. I think that quote is so powerful. And what I take away from that is teachers can really take on that role of coach or mentor and lead learner, allowing students to really do the heavy lifting, but we're always going to be there with support. And then that learning really becomes student-centered. And I think that's a, a great shift, that silver lining of some of the, the lovely things that are happening in education right now. I love it. And I'm going to respond to the quote, but before I do, What do Jedi Knights say to encourage the use of analogies? (laughs) Usually we get into the episode for a bit. I know, but this is going to be perfect. (laughs) Okay. Metaphors be with you. (laughs) (laughs) And what do you call a really long metaphor? It's like a meta five. I know, I'm sorry. The only reason I bring that up is because I think of this quote in terms of a metaphor. It, it really makes me think of us educators. We educators are gardeners. We, we can't make plants just grow. We can plant the seed. We can water it. We can make sure it has sunlight. We can provide a little fertilizer, which is like the motivation to grow. And sometimes we have to support the young plants, you know, put a stake in the ground and wrap it up a little bit until it's strong enough to stand on its own. But we can only provide those conditions. So that's why they call it kindergarten. Uh-huh. Oh, yes. <laughs> Rena, you're getting I like it. <laughs> nice. All right. So one way to provide rich growing conditions like in kindergarten is with project-based learning. So we spent some time um, on this topic the past couple episodes, and we feel like PBL is so important that it deserves even a little bit closer look. So such a powerful learning experience for students. Pam's going to lead us off with a closer look at one aspect that maybe is often misunderstood. Yeah, it's um, really um, how is project-based learning different from projects, right? Um, Projects I've done for a long time. I started my career doing projects and it's really that typically the thing that we do at the end of the unit to demonstrate learning, but it's in the traditional sense of, you know, you have your lecture, you have your activities, you review, you have your exam. And when that's all done, then we do our project. And 
challenges that I discovered when I started teaching, and that was the path that I took, is that too often we would run out of time to do the project. It's like we got to the exam and now we're already starting to think about the next unit rather than um, this opportunity for students to dive into a project. And I really love this quote from Chris Lehman. I don't know if you've heard this one before. Um, if you assign a project and get back 30 of the exact same thing, that's not a project. That's a recipe. And that really resonated with me because when I was doing projects, when I first started doing teaching, they were very much recipes. And my aha moment for this was when I had my son in class. It was in fifth grade, my top fifth through eighth grade. So it was my first year of having a, a child in class and the unique experience of that. And we were, um, I was teaching the students how to use this template that we were providing for them to do this book talk. In lieu of doing a traditional book talk, they were going to make a newsletter to talk about their book. And as I was showing the students how to do this template, I'm walking around and I looked down at my son's computer screen. Screen, and he deleted everything on the template. It was blank. It was empty. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what's going on here? A little bit of that shock, a little bit of that dismay. Of, oh, gosh, what are you doing here? And My asked, son is the troublemaker. <laughs> no, exactly. And I was, and he isn't a troublemaker. So I was just, you know, I was, I was so surprised. And when I asked him, he just looked at me and was like, well, I want to create my own design. I want to design my own newsletter. And I thought, oh, my goodness. Wow, that is cool. He, he had a completely artistic nature. In fact, he's an artist today. And I thought, wow, I do want you to have this opportunity to express and be creative. And I thought, as a parent, I want this for my child. And it started to have me reflect as a teacher, I should and would want that for all of my learners. So that became kind of a light bulb moment for me. Now, true projects in the, um, are different in the fact that what we talked about last week, where it's longer, it's um, you're learning through the process of doing the project. It's not the thing that we wait to do until the end. So you have that launch, you have that driving question, that's challenged the sustained inquiry. We talked a lot about it being authentic in terms of not just the product and the audience, but the process of learning. Does it look more like what learning and work looks like outside of the classroom? Um, but it's really important that it still have a lot of scale scaffolding and support for our students. And the mistake I made when I started project-based learning is we started it with the launch, we started with the drive, and then I got the end products from the students. And I was, um, for many, very impressed. And for too many, I was surprised by what it didn't have. And it's, I realized we, we don't have a beginning and an end. It's the process of, and the need to provide support and structure within that process. So yes, you do your project launch, but launch, but you're still doing activities and guidance, and you definitely need benchmarks along the way for you to have an opportunity to check in and provide feedback for students, but just as importantly for them to provide feedback to each other, for them to have that opportunity to reflect so that they can make the necessary adjustments to do the learning um, that goes with the project-based learning. That's kind of interesting because the first example, when you're talking about our son, there were mm -hmm. too many scaffolds. Too much. And then on the other side of it, there can be too few scaffolds and it's like that plant without the stake and it, it just can never stand on its own. So it's, it's, that's that really, that's the art of teaching, isn't it? I it mean, is. it's that fine dance between the two. 
It absolutely is. And my aha moment for this one was um, when I started teaching middle school, even with those, pro- you know, with those projects, you know, they do all that work, they hand it in, then you do all the work of giving them feedback. And I remember the first time I gave it back to students, um, after all the work of giving feedback, how few of them actually looked at the feedback. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, because I always looked at the feedback. So I was just surprised by that. And I thought, well, that's not normal. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Are you saying fans not normal? (laughs) No, (laughs) I discovered I was not normal. (laughs) And it was funny because I was like, oh, I was, I was surprised. And I thought, oh, it's because they're younger learners. You know, that's something they haven't developed yet. Maybe I don't remember at that age. I maybe didn't either. And then Paul and I had an opportunity to teach undergraduate students at a local university teacher um, candidates. And uh, same thing handed back the projects, gave even more work into the feedback. And I was even more surprised how few people looked at the feedback. And I thought, huh. And then we taught graduate students and the same thing. So then eventually the light bulb goes off. It's like, no, it's not about, um, it's about the fact that it's not timely feedback at the end it doesn't matter anymore, right? And they were smarter than I was, wiser, I should say, than I was as a student because it was over with versus once I started shifting to project-based learning experiences and the feedback was during the journey of learning, then suddenly the feedback mattered and was attended to. So just some insights into how it's different, you know, project-based versus project. And that that feedback, I, I just love that part too, because it's, there's an end product, there's an authentic product at the end that usually by then really matters to students. So they want that feedback, they're going to use that feedback because they want something good because there's that authentic audience that they're providing something for. It's not like I just turned it in and now eh, it doesn't matter because I've actually you gave it to me a week later and I'm already into another unit. It doesn't matter. Exactly. Far more motivating. When it's not authentic, it's hoop jumping, right? Mm-hmm. Well, hoop jumping, you don't need feedback from hoop jumping. You know if you jump through the hoop or not. You don't need to know mm-hmm. if you were in the center of the hoop or if just a little off. You made it through the hoop. <laughs> you you jumped the hoop and you're done. That's it. That's the only goal. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate all of those insights. And so that kind of leads us into our next topic, which is why? Why is PBL good during distance, remote, hybrid learning? And I would say that now, more than ever, is this time of change in education. Part of the silver lining of everything that's going on in the pandemic is this opportunity for education to fundamentally change. No longer looking like it did 100 years ago. People have been pushing on that and pushing on that for many years. But now it's almost like we've been forced to change education. And so that is a silver lining. And I would say that during this whole time of pandemic learning, one thing that I've received loud and clear as a facilitator is how can we get students more engaged? How can we increase student engagement in this remote, hybrid, and face-to-face environment? And I would say PBL is the answer you're looking for. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So all of those components that we've touched on and talked about engage students. So that would be my number one push, like, yay, it's student-centered, students are going to be excited about this. Um, Also, with all the new technology that's available, technology really amplifies what we're able to do in greater, broader senses. You can't amplify a hoop. So Mm -hmm. it's good that that PBL is not just hoop jumping. You know, if it's just hoop jumping, it's not. And that's maybe the antithesis 
of hoop jumping, right? PBL. And it goes beyond that. So not only are we not, we don't want to just jump through hoops. I would say right now, a lot of students are feeling disconnected, disconnected from each other, disconnected from their community. Um, everything's through a screen and PBL really allows for connection because a big part of it, 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 you should be working in a group. So there's going to be that connection with your group. You're going to be hopefully creating in a lot of cases, something for your community, whether it's your school community, for your real local community. And so there's a connection to community that goes beyond just themselves. And so that's really going to help, I think, even socially and emotionally to have those connections during this time. And PBL can provide those connections for students and really help them solve an authentic problem in a time where there's a lot of things outside our control, a lot of things we can't solve. So it gives an opportunity for students to really work on solving a problem and being part of a solution. And I'm just going to jump on that a little bit because there's a lot of research right now that shows that PBL should start with empathy. Mm -hmm. Students need to see some something that they care about, that empathy, where they want to fix something for somebody else. And that's that's such a core piece of SEL right there. Absolutely. That empathy piece and it, it ties into design thinking if you're using that. But yeah. And that's being used in the business world. If you can empathize with your customer or your user, then that's going to help you design products. And so that's really helping them prepare for their futures and careers in ways that maybe they haven't experienced before. And thinking of who who am I empathizing with to create this project? And I also think of this idea of, <laughs> you know, kids, we've heard this, like, I'm bored. I don't, well, this, this is going to alleviate that, that boredom. And I, I've said that school is kind of feeling monotonous. I log in, I log out. It's the same thing every day. Well, in project-based learning, it's not. So we get rid of that boredom piece for students as well. There's new learning. And I would say when they're student by and it's student centered, they're more excited about it. And I love that, that idea of it being students having input into the process and I always say, <laughs> you know, kids all the time are saying, why do I have to learn this? What's the point? Well, th- that shouldn't even be a question in PBL because they know why they're learning it. They know why they need to learn these things. They're usually asking the questions of what they want to learn so that that can support them in that creation of their end product. So that question shouldn't exist in PBL. And if it does, it's not authentic. Mm-hmm. Something's not happening that's authentic. No. And, you know, you might have that that smart uh, kid or somebody might say it, but I think that you could even have students answer that. You wouldn't have to be the one that answers that question. Mm-hmm. And And that brings me back. In this time, I would say there is less time than ever to provide that face-to-face or synchronous learning. And what's great about PBL is it's cross-curricular. So with good planning, and you can either, you know, support each other. If you're in secondary, maybe work with teachers in different subject areas. Elementary, I find it a little easier if you're in control of multiple content areas. Um, But then you can kind of meld those together since it's cross-curricular and you have limited amounts of time, you now can cover more in that limited amount of time across multiple subject areas. I know for our students, our elementary students only have two hours and 15 minutes of synchronous time. That is it. So how do you fit everything in? You don't. And so this, this PBL, when we were talking about it, you fit so many content areas into one that it's great. So 
you can maximize the time. I always like it too for the cognitive load of students. I just think that constant shifting to a completely different topic is hard versus when we've done cross-curricular units, when you've got in history class, they're talking about the Civil War, but they're looking at nonfiction books and in ELA, they're looking at fiction books. In math, they're doing the math related to that. The cognitive load for the students, I think, allows them to do that deeper dive. Yeah, it does. And I, I, my last little plug is, yes, there's more technologies available than ever before, but constantly also keep in mind that there should be some non-tech options available for students, um, that that should always be considered. And there are some great options that students, whether it's cardboard engineering or, you know, artists wanting to draw on paper, like maybe they don't want to use a digital version of something and they can always take a picture or whatnot or turn it in. But there should always be some options that are non-tech for a variety of reasons. And I'm going to flip it on its head and show you a few things of why technology can really transform PBL at the same time. So I totally agree, Rena. We need to give options. It doesn't have to all be online. In fact, we need to get kids away from the screens during the day. But Technology is an amazing transformer. In fact, I'm going to kind of focus on how it can connect and amplify. And I think you mentioned the word amplify a little bit earlier, Rena. Mm-hmm. Um, build on that a little bit. So one way it can connect is it can connect students to authentic outside resources. Kids have access to the world through the internet. I mean, they can connect with the government building in their community. They can send an email to an expert scientist on the other side of the globe. And a lot of times they actually get responses. Um, mm-hmm. They can have guest speakers virtually come in. They can conduct interviews virtually, um, virtual field trips to see things. Um, so many opportunities and doors that are open there. I happen to know like the larger tech companies are like where I live, we have Boeing, Amazon, all of these companies, they actually have a section like some of their, their hours are required (laughs) for community service, or even in code.org, you can go in and request someone to come in your classroom and speak to them. So I know that that's even part of the larger system to provide those supports for students more so than ever before. So many great up, op- and we need to tap into that. I mean, those are those are such authentic audiences and, and resources, so perfect. We can also um, connect kids together and teachers together during remote learning. So I know that um, you know we're naturally separated, but that technology can bring us back together. I can't imagine what it would have been like to do this remote learning if we had not had video conferencing or had not had an LMS or had not had email or ways to connect. So really good for that. I see big manila envelopes and like mail-in courses, (laughs) worksheets. Correspondence (laughs) courses. Oh, wow. They were a thing. (laughs) Um, And then I think of amplification. And we already mentioned feedback kind of in the process a little bit. Another Albert Einstein quote we let off. I'm not going to tell another dad joke, but an Albert Einstein quote that kind of ties in with this is the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Well, if we don't allow feedback to happen in that feedback loop, it's like that insanity thing. And technology gives us tons of opportunities for that feedback loop. It can be asynchronous. So we can record things, we can do screencasts, we can do audio recordings, we can do text comments, comments on the side of a Google Doc or whatever. We can um, 
have kids connect in breakout rooms and give each other feedback. So many ways we can do that. So very powerful. Uh, the biggest thing in my mind is it amplifies creation opportunities. There have never been more opportunities for kids to create than right now with technology. If they have a Chromebook or an iPad or some connection to the internet at their fingertips, they have more tools than I ever had access to in any of my school career years, probably all combined. You know, they can do audio, they can do video, they can do infographics, they can do a digital book. Um, amazing opportunities. We're going to have actually a series of, on our Avid Open Access of a bunch of different creation tools. So if you're interested in looking for more ideas for project-based learning, go, go to avidopenaccess.org and check out some of those um, resources we have there for you. And the last one, it amplifies audience. Even like with this podcast, we are able to connect with teachers all over the globe. Our kids through technology can put websites out and connect with anybody over the globe. They can reach out with email. They can post on YouTube. Um, they can create websites, um, connect with another classroom. That audience can become authentic. Of course, check with your school policies and make sure you're, you're not connecting in ways that are against policy. But um, there are a lot of really cool opportunities for that. Well, right in there, though, that's authentic, too, is teaching our students how to navigate that digital world and digital citizenship is just another authentic opportunity for them. True. Mm -hmm. And it's much better for them to do it in the safety of a classroom with support than out on their own. That's right. <laughs> we provide the guardrails. <laughs> All right. Well, it's time for tool talk. And so as we've been talking more about project-based learning, what tools do you think students could use to help manage these very long projects? And talk about authentic, right? Time management, uh, learning how to do that is a life skill. And so teaching students how to use calendars would be one example, whether that's Google um, Calendar, Team Calendar, whatever form of calendar for them to break that project into parts and put those semi-deadlines, those benchmark moments on the calendar, have uh, notification, learning how to manage their time. Calendars can help. Awesome. Another one is uh, Google Keep. So if you're a Google district, um, it's, it's basically a way to do virtual checklists or to-do lists. And it's integrated right into Gmail, into Google Docs, into spreadsheets. It's just over on the side and it can be collaborative. So really nice way for kids to keep track of things in group projects. And one thing I've seen is spreadsheets. So whether you're using Google Sheets or Excel spreadsheets, it doesn't really matter. But I've seen lots of different uses, but creating and monitoring checkpoints. So similar to calendar could have dates and drop downs and you could write feedback. But one way I've, I've seen it used that I really like is a like student self-reflection and monitoring spreadsheet. So they're kind of typing in and really monitoring themselves, but because it's shared with the teacher and other members of the groups, they can be checking in with that throughout. That's awesome. That's one thing you can do with it. And guess what else is one thing? It's time for that one thing. One thing. One thing. It's time for that one thing. It's that one thing. What is your one thing for the episode besides the awesome spreadsheet idea that you just mentioned, Rena? <laughs> well, my one thing is I, the word authenticity. So 
as I mentioned earlier, students are never going to ask why we're doing this. And I know so many times I asked that as a kid and none of those things were ever meaningful to me. So if it's truly authentic and there's this clear connection between what I'm doing and my future and what I may do as a citizen, then I, you're going to get my buy-in. I'm going to be more excited and be more engaged. I'm going to learn more because when I'm interested and engaged, I learn more. Nice. And for me, the word creativity shared the story about my son who wanted to be creative. Paul gave some nice examples of how students can be creative through project-based learning. And it reminds me of another quote by Albert Einstein. Ooh, Albert. I know he's kind of hitting all the way through our podcast. Creativity is intelligence having fun. It's a way for students to have fun in learning. And we all want to have fun. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that if our listeners are looking for one thing, to energize their classroom, engage the students, empower them with critical life skills like communication, collaboration, creativity, critical thinking, the four C's, that one thing might be project-based learning. Mm -hmm. We really want to thank you for listening. And honestly, if you do want to dig deeper, even deeper than we've gone into in these podcasts, head on over to avidopenaccess.org and check out our series on project-based learning. We always also have series on inquiry and student creation. And these things... Well, okay, that's three things. But if you smash them all together, you really can have project-based learning. That can be your one thing. Thanks for listening to Tech Talk for Teachers. We invite you to visit us at avidopenaccess.org where you can explore tech tips, grab-and-go lessons, templates, and videos that will help bring remote learning to life. We want to hear from you. So let's continue the conversation. Join us for the first and third Tuesday of the month at 7.30 p.m. Central for a live chat on Twitter, where we will facilitate conversations related to remote, face-to-face, and blended learning. Look for hashtag Tech Talk for Teachers. We will discuss your responses on future podcasts. We'll be back here next Wednesday for a fresh episode of Tech Talk for Teachers. And remember, go forth and be awesome. Thanks for all you do. You make a difference.